Hey, I'm Jensen Button, and you're listening to Gareth Jones on Speed, definitely. Yes, that definitely was Jensen Button. And you definitely are listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. Jensen's not the only British F1 driver giving an exclusive interview on this edition of the show. There's inside information on A1GP and a little fashion advice from John Watson. First of all, I should say, Gareth, I would ditch the Ramones T-shirt. Plus, fighting talk from Johnny Herbert. I want to get out there and get some some racing going with a boy. Have a bit of bit of a fisticuff on the track. And driving the wrong way up the car track of life. Sniff Petrol will be here with the motoring news. MG Rover's new Chinese owners announced plans for a retro model range. A new Audi may actually be too well made. And a guest at David Coulthard's hotel in Monaco has a complaint about the internet connection in his room. All this and more in this, the fifth ever edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth Jones. I'm Zog. Good to see you back in the country. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've been off around the world for the last few weeks. I was off in uh, Australia and Malaysia uh, in my capacity as the A1 Grand Prix pit lane reporter. So um, I'm back with exciting stories of uh, some of the motor racing that's that's been going on recently. And I'd like to hear those because uh, I'm afraid, but I've, I've actually haven't been able to catch the last couple of races on TV. So I can get it straight from the horse's mouth. Exactly. Well, A1 GP's looking great, I have to say. The French uh, have won both races at both venues. They won the, the sprint race and the feature race in Malaysia and before that at Eastern Creek in Australia. And they also got the uh, the fastest lap. So, you know, perfect scores, 21 points for, from each race weekend. It's just great consistency. Yeah, and I don't think it's spoiling the series. Some people say, yes, but they're going to walk away with the series. I just think they are being Excellent. They are driving brilliantly. The team is operating phenomenally. And it is supposed to be a team sport, much more than an individual sport. This is one of the features of, of A1G. And it's living up to its brief in that respect, definitely. And they're swapping drivers. You know, it was uh, Premat who drove in uh, Malaysia, but it was uh, Nicolas Lapierre who drove in Australia before that. Right. And they're there on the, on the pit wall, helping each other during the race, you know, and that sense of pulling it together is very strong. But... You know, they're not walking away with it. Who, who do you reckon are the other contenders then, from well, your memory? I would expect, um, I would expect uh, Brazil and, yeah. uh, and uh, Great Britain. Yeah, well, uh, Brazil well. haven't been doing as well as they did earlier on in the series. I'm trying to think, PK got a third place, if I remember, in one of the races in Eastern Creek. Mm. Um, uh, but it's been Neil Yarny in the Swiss car that's done very well. Oh. And Robbie Kerr in the British car has had two great races. I think both the feature races were good for him. In yeah. fact, to a point where um, the feature race in um, Malaysia at Sepang, you know, the F1 circuit, we were so convinced before the start of the race that Robbie Kerr was going to win this one. We forced one of the members of the team to give us a statement when they really didn't want to. They were trying to get the race started. And I spoke not to Robbie, but one of his engineers. Because yeah. uh, the car was sitting really low. We noticed that they got the setup 
really low. If you looked at the front wishbones, instead of being sort of a, a positive angle, they were like a negative angle, almost as if that the the the, you know, the body was almost touching the ground. So right? you thought they'd, they'd got some setup trick that nobody else had quite figured out, yeah. and you thought they were onto something. And, and Robbie had been improving and improving, improving through the weekend. He had some great qualifying. I thought, right, he's going he's gonna to beat the French. He's going to beat the French. But he had some dreadful luck in the pit stop. And uh, one of the rear wheels wouldn't go on right. And when it did, it just chewed up the thread and off he went. And that was the end of his race. Mm. But seriously, even though the French are doing well, watch out for Switzerland. Watch out for Britain. And of course, you can't discount Brazil. But you've also got um, uh, the Czech Republic are now in there. With Thomas Enger. Thomas is doing really well. Yeah. And Jos Verstappen's still looking handy in the Dutch car. Good old Jos. Yeah, we love Yoss. He's such a great interview, but that's another story. The simple truth is that the French team have got it together, and it's a team sport, like you said, so good luck to them. Now, um, uh, I want to tell you a little bit later on about something which happened at Malaysia. It was a wonderful moment, one of the best moments in motorsport I can remember. I'll be interested to hear what this is. And, but I'm going to save it till the very end of the okay, program. Okay, keep the suspense up. So A1's in good shape. And also, Zog, uh, while I was out there, I got a, a word with the two commentators. You know who they are, don't you? Ben Edwards and, and John Watson. Now, John Watson's your mate, isn't he? We had a good chat about Porsches a while back, and uh, and you've got to love anybody who can win a Grand Prix from the back of the grid and uh, and uh, and beat Nicky Lauder in the process in the same car, you know. That's a driver. Um, he, he was a McLaren F1 driver back in the 80s. Uh, right. uh, John Watson, he's, he's a great man to have on a TV programme because he's not shy at all. He's not backwards in coming forwards, as we say in our family. And he's, um, his co-commentator is Ben Edwards, who I love because Ben um, has done the BTCC for a few years now in Britain. Uh, and he's also, he used to commentate on champ cars on Eurosport and he made it so exciting I love the energy that Ben puts in so you've got Ben and John who are the commentators for A1GP and I interviewed them while we were in Australia after the race um, underneath the grandstand there in the TV village and the first question I asked them was what was it that actually attracted them to A1GP a winter series I've always thought was a great idea and it's often you sort of think well why hasn't it happened for such a long time we used to get the Tasman series in Australia and New Zealand here we are in Australia and it seems only right that there should be something decent to watch in terms of motorsport over the winter I've always missed it you know you get to the end of the F1 season and what do you do you know so to have a top quality winter series I think that's I think that's what really appealed to me first actually the concept was fresh it was innovative it was something that had not been uh, put together before the fact that you've got nation racing nation as opposed to individual teams or a driver's championship, so it's a different concept. It also is a level playing field, something, again, you don't see so much of in motorsport. You do maybe in the junior levels and things like Formula Ford or some of the one-make manu- one manufacturer championships, but at this level, you normally don't get that level of fairness or equality. I think all those things, I thought, well, I must I'd be a part of it, and the fact is that it's, you're going to be away from home Throughout the winter months, couldn't be better. It seems to be attracting some good drivers, but we're also creating our own stars here in A1GP as well, aren't we? Do you have, do you have any favourites? I think I like seeing, as you say, some of the new guys coming through who perhaps haven't established their reputations yet. So, uh, Sean McIntosh of Canada, I think, you know, he, he's already 
shown extremely well. Um, so that's good to see. But, I, you know, it's also fun seeing some of the countries less well-known. Uh, the young Indian driver, he's only 16 years old. And, uh, you know, he's doing, a, he's doing well, the lad. And it, well, these, are not, these are not little cars. They're big, powerful machines. So to see a 16-year-old get behind the wheel, I think it's pretty impressive. Sean McIntosh, I think, is outstanding. But I think what really is the key to A1 Grand Prix is we're seeing the emergence of nations such as Malaysia, as Alex Jung and, and Faraz Fauci, Indonesia, India. But remember, there's a one big country in the Far East with over a billion population called China. I just wonder how long it is before we see China reaching to the level that we've seen from, let's say, more traditional homes of motorsport. They've done it in all forms of athletics, gymnastics. It's a massive, massive country. Likewise, India. So those are two nations, I think, which are going to be the key long-term to the future of motorsport. And here we are, A1GP, right on at the, at the, on the ground floor, developing it. It's dubbed, Ben, the, the World Cup of motorsport. Do you think that's an appropriate name? Yeah, it is genuinely a World Cup of motorsport. And you've got a, most of the top motorsporting nations involved, but you've also got these new nations that don't have that heritage. So I think that's absolutely fair to call it that. And, you know, it's fun calling it from the country point of view when we're commentating. And instead of a, a driver, you're calling it by the country. You know, it's Germany versus the United States. And, and they're going in side by side into turn one. I mean, I, I think it's fun. It's a, it's a whole new take on motorsport. There is one fly in the ointment, though. You have to work with me. Oh, it's fantastic, Gareth. We're loving every minute. First of all, I should say, Gareth, I would ditch the Ramones T-shirt. It is a little bit, you know, for Ramones are a bit too edgy, a bit too alternative. Now, you know, Lou Reed, I can understand. Lou Reed is a bit special. All right, I'll get myself a Lou Reed T-shirt. I'll get one in an extra large size for you, John. Ben? finally how'd you put up with him oh it's a it's a joy it's a sheer joy to work with john gareth so uh no no it's great we have a, a good working relationship so we're looking forward to the rest of the year fellas thank you both very much indeed Many thanks. Thanks. John Watson and Ben Edwards, two very lively and lovely guys, and I'm thrilled to be working with them. But you see, so because I was out with those fellas in Australia and Malaysia, I completely missed the beginning of this other winter motorsport series that's going on at the moment. Ah, the GP Masters, Grand Prix Masters. You saw the race? I did, I did. And uh, for anybody who hasn't uh, come across GP Masters, who isn't familiar with it, it's a new series in which retired drivers, including some quite big names, are driving modern open-wheel chassis, which are basically chassis pretty much as used in uh, Champ Cars a couple of years ago with, uh, with a Cosworth V8 engine. But it's not just the drivers that are back. There's a certain commentator, a certain Mr. Murray Walker, oh. uh, now 82 years old, but, but he's back at the mic. Um, and back at the wheel are named, well, Nigel Mansell, Emerson Fittipaldi, oh. uh, the daughter Han Stuck, we've got uh, Ricardo Patrese. Jan uh, Lammers. Jan Lammers, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Alan so, Jones. Well, we've got Alan Jones was, uh, well, slated to be uh, driving one of the cars, as was uh, Alan Prost. Alan Prost, in the end, uh, didn't make uh, make the final list of drivers it wasn't quite clear why um, Alan Jones actually uh, injured his neck and, and this kind of, kind of touches on one of the things that you would inevitably wonder about getting a lot of old drivers out of retirement sticking them in new cars and having them blast around a circuit it's, well, you know what? are they up to it? You know Alan Jones is involved in the Australian uh, A1GP team so I had a chat with him about this in Sepang uh, I oh. asked him about his neck and how he got on he said oh I don't know why I'm doing it mate 
Oh, seriously, it really, really ripped my neck really bad. That's pretty much exactly how he said it. And uh, he was supposed to be taking part in a celebrity proton race in Sepang. Right. But had to pull out of that as well because the damage that he'd done in the GP Masters meant that he could barely hold his head up, even in a, a, a regular saloon car or you know, a racing version of, a, of a, a saloon car. So it really did hurt him. So it is a concern, isn't it? It is, but there were concerns about, you know, cardiovascular fitness and all this kind mm. of stuff because you can pretty much be sure that when all these guys get, get in the car they're going to give it uh, 100% it's and, uh, in their nature isn't it's it it's in their nature but anyway no other medical problems it was fantastic first race was an absolute blast and I think would have lived up to anybody's expectations uh, of what you might be able to achieve now Man- Mansell won the race and he was on pole yeah now um, the way the race developed was that for the first few laps the drivers were you know seemed to be driving fairly well within themselves the field wasn't spaced out very much uh, the race was at Kyle Army which as you may know isn't isn't the easiest circuit to pass on um, so so that you know the, the, there wasn't much wasn't much overtaking going on but um, after about half distance and it was a 20 lap race um, the drivers started to uh, seem to loosen up a bit and Mansell and Fittipaldi who had been running first and second right from the start where they started uh, began to pull out a f- bit of a lead on the rest of the field and they were really going for it they were you know these guys were racing wow. you could tell that Mansell you know, he, you know his will to win his determination was still there uh, and, and Fittipaldi was absolutely giving him a run for his money you know he, he never let off the pressure one thing that was interesting about this, this race to me actually was that, that it was a race in which as I say there wasn't much overtaking at all um, you know nothing happened at the front Mansell stayed in first Fittipaldi stayed, stayed in second, and no one else got close to them. But you can still get a lot of excitement out of a race as long as you get the feeling that people can overtake. And you, and you got the feeling yeah, yeah. that Fittipaldi you know, could have made it past. He was always trying to get past Mansell. If Mansell had made a little mistake, you know, then, then Fittipaldi would have been past him. And it's that that keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's not necessarily the passing. OK, this is, this is, it sounds to me that this is a similar theory to F1. F1 trades on the fact that Overtaking is so difficult at the moment that when it does happen, you really celebrate it and you you sense what a great achievement it is. Yeah, it's absolutely fair. And uh, the other side of this that went spectacularly well was Murray's commentary. You know, ah, the, the guy still has it. The question is though, um, when's the next race going to be? Because there are you know there are supposedly going to be more GP Masters races in two thousand and six, and they you know they they're going to see what the reaction to the first race was, and then you know then schedule some more. I, I, I would certainly think that that race should have got them the kind of reaction that should guarantee races of 2006, and they will be worth watching. You know what, Zog? If that does happen, they may have to put some money on Fittipaldi beating Mansell. Mansell did admit that if he hadn't got pole position, uh, he reckoned that Fittipaldi would have beaten him. Violet, have you you've brought oh, in... Thank yes, thank you very much indeed. This is great. Violet's just walked in with... Um, uh, a cafetiere of coffee and two cups of coffee. Just stick it down there next to the recorder. That's fantastic, Lee. Thank you very much indeed. And while we have a cup of coffee, um, Gareth Jones on speed hands over now for a brief moment to sniff petrol. This is Sniff Petrol. The headlines. MG Rover's new Chinese owners announce plans for a retro model range. Mmm, all A new Audi may actually be too well made. Uh, I, I can't actually open the door. And 
And a guest at David Coulthard's hotel in Monaco has a complaint about the internet connection in his room. Well, it's there. It's just a bit slow. As the UK government announces plans to clamp down on the 70 mile per hour limit on motorways for environmental reasons, we speak to Junior Transport Minister Lesby Clark Batchelor. Junior Minister, isn't this all just an excuse to put more speed cameras on the roads? Uh, no, we're quite serious about reducing climate change, so by putting more speed cameras on motorways, we're, we're sure we'll have a positive effect on the environment. Can you explain the science behind that? Well, it, it's quite simple. Nothing will have a better effect on global warming than a lot of people simultaneously writing cheques. So what you're saying is that global warming will be offset by cold cash? No, no, not exactly. I mean, what I mean is that we must clamp down on the motorist. They really are the most dangerous thing that faces not just us, but our children in the future. Uh, the biggest threat to the sanctity of our nation as such. I, oh, sorry, no. I, I, I've been thinking of Al-Qaeda. Oh, my God. God, we've been needlessly persecuting the motorist for our own gain. What was I thinking? Oh, well. Some years ago, Anvil Jord racer and repeated winner of the F1 Award for Good Attendance, David Coulthard, opened a hotel in Monaco. Right, David, we, uh, we need to talk strategy for the 06 season. I've been thinking about this and I've cracked it. Go on then, how are you going to mentally focus to drive the team forward? Hotels. Oh, God. I, I believe nothing says I'm mentally driven like opening a hotel. David, are you sure about this? Aye. Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, Juan Manuel Fangio, Michael Schumacher, what do they all have in common? They've all won world championships. Yes, I. And you haven't. That's not the point. They all stayed in hotels and they all owned the championship season. So what you're saying is you will own the hotels. Aye. And just stay in the championship season. Uh, no, hotels equal success. David, this isn't Monopoly. It worked for Paris Hilton. Meanwhile, as an Italian court rules that all future racing at Monza must be heavily silenced, Sniff Petrol exclusively reveals how in the past the evil racetrack owners have shamelessly duped local residents. So, Signor, that is the tour of the house, so you like it? Yes, I, I like it very much. It is perfect for what I'm looking for. Although, I noticed there is a large sign for Monza near here. Uh, what is this? Uh, Monza? Uh, it is the Monza race circuit. It is quite well known. Ah, the, the Monza race circuit, yes. Uh, that was the one that was founded in 1922 and mm -hmm, has seen yes. uh, many great racing battles since yes. then, has been yes, a yes, host yes. of a number of legendary motor races, oh, yes, and yes. since 1950 has mm -hmm. famously hosted many illustrious F1 ah, races yes. uh, with only a short break when the Grand Prix mm -hmm. went to Imola. Oh, but that was only a political thing, and oh, the racing is here now with uh, the screaming glorious V10s of the 
current era. Although, of course, they are maybe going to the V8s next year, yes? Uh, See, si, yes. Oh, it's, it's, the house is perfect. I'll take it. Okay, so just the usual 20,000 forms to, to fill in. 20,000? Uh, oh, they have really streamlined the house buying process here. Yes, now just sign here, please. And the usual, maybe two blood samples and a signature from the Pope himself. Uh, is perfect for me. Thank you. Ah, oh, what a beautiful morning it is here in my new house. Ah, you know, today I think I'm gonna paint the kitchen. What the hell is that noise? Oh, wait, I gotta look out of the window. What? There are people driving racing cars round and round in circles in a perfectly smooth circuit. This is outrageous. Where is the number for my lawyer? You're listening to Gareth Jones on Speed with me, Gareth Jones. And me, Zog. And uh, a couple of days ago, I took part in a charity karting event, which has been going for... How many years is it now, Zog, this event? If you're talking about the, the Johnny Herbert karting challenge, uh, that'll be 11 years. Is it 11 years? You were down there last year, weren't you? Ralph Furman was yeah. there, and uh, Alan Nish was there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's been Robbie Williams down there in the past, uh, one, you know, amongst the celebrity drivers, uh, Shane Lynch from Boyzone, I think. F- for those that aren't familiar with the event, it's an annual event that Johnny Herbert has been uh, getting together in aid of various charities... How did it go this year? Oh, it was fantastic this year. It, it was uh, The racing was particularly good, and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment. But we also had uh, some fairly top-named drivers. Ralph was there again, like you mentioned. But we also had one Jensen Button taking part. Oh. And uh, I figured, uh, as I had my recording equipment with me, I, I should interview Jensen. You see, the race is um, it's an endurance race. It's a three-hour race, and in between... Two of his stints, I had a quick word with Jensen, and I asked him for a professional racing driver who is either driving all summer or testing all winter, why on earth he takes part in an event which just means more driving? Well, there's two reasons. Obviously, the, the main reason is to help out as much as possible with uh, kidney research. Obviously, Johnny's done a fantastic job with this event and getting so many uh, sportsmen here and, and racing drivers. So that's, that's one of the reasons, and also because it is a great event. You know, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed every day I've been here. This is what your your second year on this now, or third, is it? Third year. I won it in 2002, had a year out, and uh, came back last year and finished second to a girls' team. So, so how is it out there? It gets a bit fierce. It does. It's great. You know, this circuit is it's the best in the country, and uh, it's probably the best indoor circuit I've ever been to. But uh, it's it's great. You know, the the carts are fun to drive, and uh, with so much competition out there, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty fierce. Now, who is your team? Explain. Who they are, why they're all wearing the same outfits, and how you chose them. It's Team Froome. It's pronounced Froome. Well, it's Froome, isn't it, the way it's written. But um, it's where I'm originally from, down in Somerset. And uh, my mates, they're my mates from, uh, from back home. They're, they're racing drivers as well. Uh, Richie races in the British Touring Cars. Uh, Chrissy's racing in the European FIA GT Championship. I think it's called that. Um, in the GT1 categories. He's doing well. And Al's a great driver as well. And hopefully getting a, a, a drive next year in some sort of category. So we're all racing drivers and very, very good friends. You know, they're my best mates. I've done this event now for nine years. And we've had some pretty big names. You're probably the 
you know, the most popular British motor, most successful British motor racing driver we've ever had at the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. I think DC's been here, hasn't he? DC? That's true. DC yeah. was here one year. Yeah. He's won a few more Grand Prix. <laughs> Eleven, actually. A lot of people forget how many Grand Prix he's won. But I tried to get him there this year, but he was busy. But uh, hopefully he'll be around next year. And an uh, extra bit of competition doesn't hurt, does it? Um, the point I was going to make was that everybody wants a piece of Jensen Button. It's not easy being Jensen Button. Do you know what you let yourself in for when you signed up for this? Not at all. Do you mean Formula One? Itself, uh, yeah, no, this this and F1. Yeah. This probably more than F1, actually, because you're more accessible here, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, Formula One, you know, there's a lot of parts of the job that are very tough and very tiring, and you didn't expect when you came into it. But it's part of it, and, uh, you know, it's a small price to pay for, for what I do. You know, I'm racing a Formula One car. It's one of my dreams. Um, and also, it's, this event's very special because there, there are a lot of fans here, fans of racing and people involved in racing. So it's good to, good to catch up with people I wouldn't normally, uh, normally see during the season. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were actually enjoying yourself today. Yeah, of course I am. It's, it's great. You know, I, I love competing to start with. I'm so competitive when it comes to uh, anything with wheels. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So, where's home for you these days? Because you have to travel for this. It's not like you're in town. It's, it's a fairly major commitment to do something like this, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's worth it. Um, I live in Monaco. Monte Carlo which, uh, you know, I spend as much time there as I can. Obviously difficult with travelling around so much. Uh, we're always travelling. But it's, it's great to be, and I wouldn't miss it unless I had something really serious that I had to do. Uh, for example, driving a Formula 1 car. Jensen Button, nice to share a track with you. Nice to share some airtime with you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. What a lovely chap. Great stuff, Gareth. Well done for getting hold of that interview. Uh, now, wh- one question that, uh, that I-, I didn't hear you asking there was... Yes. Uh, was anything about the incident a couple of years ago where he bundled you off the track and uh, cracked a couple of ribs, I seem to recall? That, that is absolutely true, yeah. Uh, a few years ago, um, exactly as you said, Jensen came behind me, and obviously he's quicker than me, and uh, stuffed me into the barriers because I was keeping him uh, from winning the race. And he did bruise a couple of ribs, and uh, it did somewhat inhibit my um, nocturnal Your activities for a few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his name was Mud in our house, but because he's now a attended that event three times and he's more than happy to put a lot of time and energy into it um, I've more than forgiven Jensen Button and, he's atoned uh, for his sins yeah yeah and uh, full respect for such a big name he's you know one of the biggest names in British motorsport and to have him at an event like this certainly helps it earn so much money for charity it's just great so full marks to Jensen I wish him well for the season absolutely um, and, and speaking of racing and results uh, how did you do this year yes I did really well yeah. Yeah, did, 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 did you get a little little something to take away? Did I you get did. A little... I got on the podium. Oh, well, it wasn't just me. It was my team. Here it is. Oh, Look. we bring it over. Yes, yeah. yes. Here is the trophy. I've got the trophy. It says you Johnny can Herbert. Hear the trophy yeah. right now. Hang on. I'm going to put it on the table. The right. There it is. A good substantial bronze trophy of a carter um, sitting um, on a pedestal there in bronze because um, we came third. My team came third. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you very much. I don't know how much my performance put us on that podium because in the team with me was Johnny Molem, GT racer from the ALMS, um, uh, uh, Johnny Herbert himself, who is just standing in a car. Um, a chap from the Sauber team, a young lad called Richard Keane, who I would imagine we're going to hear a lot about because he was lightning quick. And 
Christian Horner, the guy who runs the Red Bull team. Ah. But apparently my lap times weren't far off uh, the big guys. I was doing about f- uh, middle 45-second laps at the raceway, which is quite respectable, I'm told. Well, you know, you'd have to figure that even if the other guys in your team were, uh, you know, a professional drivers and, 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 uh, and, let's face it, probably know what they're doing a little bit more than you do, yes. you can't have been that shabby if... Between you, you ended up. We ended up third place, so and we were work. the two teams which beat us. Uh, the team that were in second place that was Ralph Furman's team, and they also had um, I think Helen Gardner is her name, a fantastic young car. Uh, she won last year, didn't she? Yeah. She was in the women's team that won That's last right. year. Astoundingly quick, mm. uh, and the winning team was Jensen Button's uh, team Froom. <laughs> <laughs> so well done, Jensen. Well done, everyone. Uh, but. Um, uh, Johnny, of course, what a great man for organising this. And uh, as I was there in my work capacity as well as my fun capacity, I had a quick chat with Johnny about why he organises the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. The reasoning for me to, to, to do it, and the way I mainly did it, was when I first started, my daughter, when she was about one or two, I can't remember exactly, she had a problem with her kidneys. She had a reflux, and they call it, so her kidney got quite badly damaged, but it's okay now. Um, so I then thought, well, if I do it something towards the kidney research or something which was with Sparks and then we've done obviously the kidney research now um, because I just wanted to keep that side going and I thought it's for a good cause have a lot of fun race some money and it goes to a good cause as well and that's something that we've we've kept on going uh, this year and obviously with the uh, Warwickshire Northampton uh, heli heli what is it air ambulance air ambulance that's it and because there was something that happened with my wife's uh, nan and they came in wonderful and they were sponsored by Rover but of course, unfortunately, because of obviously the demise of Rover, they've sort of struggled to get some uh, sponsorship to keep that, that thing going. It's a damn important thing to have. Uh, and again, it's just me putting something back into that and helping them out as well. Now, over the years, I think when we first came here, you were wearing a Sauber race overalls, then Stuart race overalls, then Jaguar race overalls, then I think Audi... Bentley. Uh, last year you were wearing Maserati. This yeah. year you've got the, well the raceway outfit on. Raceway. Yeah, well that's only because I hadn't been home to get any. All I had was a pair of gloves and a pair of boots. I was expecting to see you wearing a Minardi race suit because you've been ushering people around South Africa recently, haven't you? Tell me about that. Yeah, well it's it's a good thing. Again, it's another charity thing that is is for Nelson Mandela uh, Foundation. Yes, they have eight. I think it's eight two-seater Minardis, uh, and basically we take passengers round uh, to do two races of ten laps, uh, and all the money that they, they pay to get in the back is actually then goes towards charity. So to get you know somebody, a normal person in the back of a, a Formula One car and actually to take them round a Kyle Army, which is a is a pretty demanding track. It's not an easy track. It, it's great because it just again. Is very good because it's for a good cause at the same time. And then we just put everything back and it helps all the people in Africa and South Africa, Soweto, for example. And it's, 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 a, it's a, good, good, a good thing to do and it's a good uh, always to go back, good thing to go back. F1 cars advance at an incredible rate and it's a few years since you drove an F1 car in competition. How, how does the two-seater Minardi compare to your memory of an F1 car in terms of pace and handling? Well, they're, they're good. And I would say it's probably closer to a probably a, a, a gp2 that would be my guess it's roughly around that you know the horsepower is i'm guessing is a probably about 500 maybe 600 maximum then obviously you've got the extra weight of the chassis being longer and also you've got the extra weight of an extra body so you've got a lot more weight in the car 
Uh, and the acceleration isn't anywhere near like a Formula One, as violent as a Formula One car, but it just gives you a very good impression of the braking power because you still can use the braking power of the carbon fibre brakes like you can in, can in a Formula One car. But of course, trying to stop something that is very light and trying to stop something that's much heavier, you still don't get exactly the same feedback. But it's the closest thing that any any normal person is, is going to get to driving or getting the feelings of, of a proper Formula One car. So from that point of view, it's a very, very good concept. Do you know if the um, Minardi two-seaters will continue now that Minardi's handed over to Scuderia Toro Rosso? Yeah, no, I think, well, no, Minardi itself, as in Paul Stoddard, that will carry on because he's kept the name Minardi. Uh, so he's going to use his two-seaters. And he does various things. It used to be, and I think he did it in Vallelunga in Italy, near Rome, about, oh dear, it was about four days ago, where he, he does it for the sponsors as well of... Of, of Minardi for, the, for this season so then he gets the sponsors they get in the back drivers take him around and stuff like that so that's all very good but as far as I'm aware he's still going to carry that on and he will still do his corporate corporate stuff with it so what's the going rate for someone fat like me to get in the back you've got no idea I've got no idea no I've got no idea but if I said I knew the driver would I get a special discount no <laughs> no. Ask Paul. He'll give you a better, better, better quote. I'll have a word. Yeah, I doubt if he'll do me any favours. No. He doesn't do any more favours, does no, he? No, he doesn't. No. I'd like to hope that you haven't hung up your racing helmet, or indeed your involvement with F1. I know last year you were uh, Jordan's sporting director. Is that the right term? Sporting relations manager. Is that going to continue with Midland? You know. Uh, at the moment, yes. It's an ongoing contract that will be there. I have to see exactly what I do in racing. You know, I've got Johnny Molan sitting next to us. I want to get out there and crack some, get some some racing going with a boy. Exactly, have a bit of bit of a fisticuff on the track. But I still, you know, I enjoy that challenge of still racing. So I still want to get back into that. It's trying to fit yourself in a position where you can get into a into the right car to enable yourself to to do a good job. You know, it's always frustrating trying to in a car that you don't have a proper chance. But you know, so far it's looking okay. Gareth Jones on speed. David, these hotels then? Yes, I want to open a new one. Another hotel. Oh, good. And where did you have in mind to open this hotel? I've got it. Nottingham. Nottingham. Have you gone mental? I want a hotel that defines the very values of David Coulthard. What does Nottingham say to you? Um, Boots the Chemist, Robin Hood... No, 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 no. Nottingham is the seventh best city in Britain. It's perfect for brand Coulthard. When people look at me, I think they already see somewhere that is within easy reach of Derby. That's the Coulthard experience. I am literally on the edge of the M1, Junction 27. By the way, do you like my new beard? No. Left. Now he's turning right. Remarkable. Oh, look. 
Mansell's finished his pit stop with an impenetrable story about a horse made of butter and he's off. Oh, but now he needs the loo and he's gone back again. Johansson's in the pits for a change of teeth and Alan Jones for Team Hard Policeman looking younger these days is challenging for position and he's been blocked. You can see him shaking his distinctive tweed helmet and this is unbelievable. He's throwing Werther's originals at him and race leader Fittipaldi is pitted for a nap giving the lead back to Nigel Mansell. Mansell leads. Will he see it through to the end or will he stop for a lamb lunch at a nice country pub? No, Mansell wins and I, I'm, I'm very tired. I could do with a nap myself. That's it from Sniff Petrol. Just time for some late news. GM boss Rick Wagoner makes a radical cost-saving move. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let myself go. TVR built themselves a new factory. Was that door always on fire? Ah! And the new Honda Civic. Is it too futuristic? Hmm, the sat-nav says go via Starbase 3. Gareth Jones on Speed will be back in a second, but first, time for these messages. Hello, I'm David Coulthard. I spent my life in F1 following other people, and now you can follow me to my new hotel here in Wilmington, Delaware. Recently voted the most adequate town in the whole of the Wilmington, Delaware area. Wilmington, Delaware will delight you as much as my hotel. So, come to my new hotel in Wilmington, Delaware. Mention my name to get a free tax loss. Uh, I mean, discount. David Coulthard Hotels. Insist on seventh best. Okay, that's it. Uh, We've just about reached the end of Gareth Jones on speed. Uh, But, Zog, you may remember at the start of the show, I mentioned that something fantastic happened in Malaysia. That's right, yeah. What what were you going on about? What's the story? I was doing the grid walk. I'm walking up and down the grid, interviewing the drivers just before the start of the first race, the sprint race. And at that very moment, the drivers were getting in their cars. Some of them were getting ready. Having done interviews, they were getting in their cars. And uh, Fairoz Fauzi, the one of the two Malaysian drivers, the other one is Alex Young, Fairoz Fauzi got into his car to settle in for the start of the race. And that precise moment that he got into his car, they started playing the Malaysian national anthem, which is called Negara Ku. And this beautiful young woman sang it beautifully. And it's a, it's a lovely tune. And she sang it really well. So he was kind of, Fairoz was caught between two worlds, Does he sit down in the car? Does he stand up? He stood up in the car, much in the way that a driver does at the end of a championship when they won the championship. And he stood there to attention. And it was so dramatic, this moment. It stopped me and Lee McKenzie, my co-presenter in the pit lane, and the hardest man in television, Stephen Brando, our floor manager. It stopped us in our tracks on the grid. And we stood to attention as well. Fantastic. And we just felt we had to honour this man's respect of his national dedication anthem. And, 
Oh, what a fantastic moment. And it's a, a lovely tune, and so we're going to play it for you right now here on Gareth Jones on Speed. But that's it for me. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth Jones. Next week, I'm going to be... I think I'll be Ananda Mikula, the Indonesian A1GP driver. Um, who are you going to be next week, sir? Uh, I'm going to be Max Planck, famous physicist. say goodbye folks goodbye folks and we'll leave you with Nagara Koo and uh, the words are on the website www.garethjones.tv if you want to sing along bye cheerio Satu dan maju Rahmat bahagia Tuhan kurniakan Raja kita selamat bertatang Rahmat bahagia So, Nigel, you must be delighted with this victory here today. Well, uh, obviously, Murray, I'm uh, bitterly disappointed. It, it's too cold, and the youth of today has no manners, and all my friends are dead.